Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. We are back with you guys tonight, starting a new series called the Dynasty Fantasy Baseball Series. Oh, wow. Very creative, I know. And it's a Dynasty series going on here at Triple Play Fantasy. But, of course, before we get into all that, we've got little Cheesecake Doc and Marty Party tonight in the house. Marty Party, we are a week away from First Pitch Arizona. Have you begun packing or planning what you're planning to do once you get out there? I have, I will pack the night before, like I do every single time. Anytime I go anywhere, I only bring a backpack and I put it under my seat while I fly because I'm cheap and no, yeah, it's all going to be about fantasy baseball. Maybe Mm -hmm. see a basketball game, maybe the sun's blazers. I don't know. I think you do. Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, but yeah, dude, I can't wait to see you guys all in real life and just have some fun, drink some beers and just chill out. It's going to be a great time. I've been looking forward to this day ever since we all agreed to book it together. We will miss LC very much. He'll be there in spirit. We, uh, we're we going to be, maybe we'll even make a figure of you just to carry around. Uh, a cardboard cutout, if you will. Don't make it weird. We, we, <laughs> we're we we meeting everybody for the first time. We don't want to be that crew. Like, but they know we're weird. A, you know, it'll fit in. They already, they already know we're weird. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> Doc, you're obviously going as well. I've, I'm sure you have a bunch of fun stuff playing. You were the one that pitched the Phoenix Suns game and, of course, a couple other plans that we're going to be doing as well. Oh, yeah. Staying after, going to do some hiking while you guys go back to work. Uh, it's yeah. going to be a blast. And for those that are watching on the YouTube channel, I noticed everybody was wearing hats before, besides me. So I had to put this one on, get into the show. A follower, not a leader. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Leading the idea to go to the Suns Blazers game, David. There you go. Everybody, uh, Albert checking in. What's going on, Albert? What's up, buddy? Um, and Elsie, of course. Uh, what's new in the world over there in your town, your neck of the woods? That I'm not near anymore. Just, just realizing we didn't come up with a name for our series until you were starting the episode, and we <laughs> called it the Fantasy Dynasty series. The Dynasty Fantasy Beast. <laughs> so we need to come up. We you know we have the idea is solid that we didn't have a name for it. People don't don't take David's uncertain entry into this episode as as any sort of sign that the quality of this episode is down. We are we are on top. We didn't have a name. David was riffing there, and he's not a freestyle rapper. Let's just put it out there. I'm no Harry yeah, he's 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 we needed to come up with a, a name beforehand, and that's on all of us. Yeah, I, I I really just called it that because it's YouTube friendly when you say Dynasty Fantasy Baseball. So that was the inspiration for that came from. But obviously, I would like to call it something more fun than that. Maybe we'll co- we'll come up with it during the show. That's when we do our best thinking. So sure. Uh, but of course, you are talking Dynasty here, and with the the urging of Doc behind the scenes consistently every week in the DMs, guys. Guys, dynasty, dynasty guys. We should talk about dynasty guys. So Doc goes into the weeds of Reddit, which the other three of us do not. And he said, this is what the Reddit content needs. This is what the does not out there enough of. And we kind of touch on it during the season and redraft. Obviously, Uh, we talk a little bit of dynasty, but we wanted to give you a strictly dynasty series here now that we're in the offseason in terms of fantasy baseball. And we're going to go division by division, giving you a bunch of different elements uh, from each team in terms of talking about dynasty assets and what we can expect for them going forward. So gonna be a fun show. Y'all ready to go? Yes. After you exposed me, David in a good way, in a good way, you are the one that led the charge because I called you a follower. And now I just called you a leader. Sounds like you can't make up your mind indecisive. No, nah, I just more wanted to give you credit, but I won't give you credit again. <laughs> All right. So let's go. Let's talk about, Doc, just because I like it, well, let's talk about the Seattle Mariners first. Let's let's give you your first Seattle Mariner because that's the team that you chose, and give us one of their dynasty assets, and then talk about them a little bit in the kind of way that we laid out the show sheet here. Yeah, so I think we have to talk about number one, the overall number one dynasty player, and I think we would all agree that it's Julio Rod- Rodriguez, right? Hundred percent. 
So looking at his season stats, he slashed 284, 345, 509 with 28 homers, 75 RBIs, 25 stolen bases. He's 21 years old. He's going to be 22 by the next time uh, the 2023 season rolls around. And he signed a 12-year extension through 2035. So he's going to be about 20, 33, 34 when he, he hits free agency again. Now, I put out on Twitter today, I said, who would you rather have in Dynasty, Julio Rodriguez or Shane McClanahan? And 91% of the people said Julio. And most of the, an, most of the answers came in saying Julio itself. But what I think is interesting, I put this same poll up on June 11th, and Shane McClanahan won 52 to 48%. So I think that shows how much that Julio's value has gone up in the last four months, but also how much Shane McClanahan's has gone down. And that goes into what you're looking, if you're looking to trade Julio, which I would not recommend you do. I think he's an ultimate building block piece, but I believe also everyone has a price. And if you were looking to trade him, I don't think there's a one for one that you could do, but I would need Multiple young pieces. I would need a young pitcher, a Shane McClanahan, a Spencer Strider, a George Kirby. I would need, um, you know, a building blocks such as Michael Harris or another young hitter with promise. I would need a good package to trade him. But overall, I think that you're keeping Julio. You don't trade him for anyone unless, you know, you get a, a an offer you can't turn down. King's ransom, if you will. King's ransom. Yeah, I mean, Julio Rodriguez right now, the number one player most in pretty much every dynasty place you look, no matter what site you use, that's he's the number one dynasty player uh, and has a shot for 30-30 next season. I know that your poll out there, Doc, caused quite a stir in the comments and people were kind of talking about what his potential could be. And 30-30 is definitely a real outcome for him. And there's very few players in the league that have that type of outcome as a possibility. So um, definitely in Roto context, he's huge. And in points lead context, he's pretty good too because doesn't strike out a crazy amount for someone that can hit 30 home runs. Obviously, he gets on base a lot. So obviously, there's not much to be said about Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> uh, but let's go now to Marty Party. Let's go ahead and talk about the Texas Rangers. Who's your first dynasty asset you want to talk about? I like that we're going around the horn here, all doing one at one time. All right, so I'm going to start off with the uh, Mr. Corey Seager. So he's 28 and a half years old. So I'll be closer to the th- uh, 29 when the year starts. He's in the second year of that mega contract, the 10-year, $325 million. Um, in 2022, Seager played 151 games, which is the most games he has played since 2016. So I think he – would you guys all agree that he played more games than you thought he would? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I, I and I think because of that, um, I mean, he had, he had his, his career year. I mean, he's going to continue to be the shortstop for the foreseeable future. Uh, he'll eventually move, move over to second or first base, more than likely, probably, you know, after he gets over 30, um, they're going to want to, the Rangers are going to make sure he doesn't get, or try to limit him getting hurt as much as possible. Uh, last year in 663 plate appearances, he hit a career high 33 home runs. He had 83 RBI, 91 runs and slash 245, 317, 455. We look at a stat cast data, an expected batting average of 283. So um, that's absolutely incredible. That was in the 96th percentile. And even though he increased his home run total, he posted a career low uh, 15% strikeout percentage, uh, 15.1. So in every stat you could possibly imagine, he was really good. Um, going into last year, he had an ADP, and this is in redraft on NFBC, but uh, ADP of 79.3. And after a career career year, he's even dropped back. He has a, an ADP of 85.8 right now for 2022. So even though he had the best year of his career, um, no one's no one's really buying in. Um, I know that's only six drafts, and the he's right now currently the 15th shortstop off the board. He's going around like Tim Anderson, Xander, Xander Bogarts, and Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. Do you guys uh, do you think that's overall fair for him? Do you think that's a fair value, or would you rather have? You know, would you rather have Tommy Edmond? Because he's going before him right now. What do you think? Edmond really only appeals the stolen bases ahead of him. I can't think of any other reason why. Yeah. No. I, I agree. I, I take Seeger over Edmond. I take Seeger over Anderson as well. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, so looking at more of a, a dynasty, I mean, he's obviously going to be a lot more valuable in points leagues. 
uh, Roto League, he's not going to be able to get you those stolen bases. That that's why Anderson and Edmund are going, you know, in front of him in redrafts. But as far as like a buy or sell, he's an he's an interesting player. I mean, I don't. It's amazing that he's has his career year and then his ADP drops. And what that mm-hmm. says to me is that people aren't buying into him just regardless. So, um, and I'm actually in the same boat. If I'm if I'm contending. For in a dynasty league next year, I'm still looking to sell because he's coming off a career year and I don't think he'll ever be able to hit that historic high that he had last year. I still believe he's completely injury prone and I never buy into a guy who has his career high and then you know didn't get injured for the first time pretty much in his career. Um, now, if you're looking to um, if you're looking to rebuild, um, then I would definitely unload him. And I think that you'll be able to get a, a good, the most ever you'll be able to get amount for him um, would be now. And then I was looking for trying to think of like um, an equivalent. If you're looking to trade for a pitcher, you know, one V one, which is obviously this is for fun. You know, this is, yeah. it, it depends what kind of, um, you know, depends what kind of a league you're in and everything like that. But um, let, let me, let me run these guys by you. Would you rather have Seeger or Fromber Valdez moving forward in a dynasty league? Fromber for me. Yeah. What about Freddie Peralta? Seager. 26 Seager. years old. Yeah. Okay. And then lastly, a 31-year-old Robbie Ray. Seeger. Seeger. But I think that would be a fair trade. Yeah. Seeger Ray. Getting closer <laughs> to it. A tough one. League champion Joe what says, this is this funny hat night? <laughs> kind of turned out that way. It um, kind of turned out that way. And then looking like in like three years down the road, I mean, I think he's going to be a perennial, you know, top 20 shortstop for the next three years. Um, I think that as he ages, obviously these home runs are going to go down and everything like that. So if you're looking long haul in any type of, um, if you're in any type of rebuild situation, he's a, he's a must sell. And I think you should get rid of him as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Mr. Corey Seager. All right. I think you hit on all the, the points very well there, Martin. So Thank I you, said sir. your name pretty weird. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the Houston Astros and trying to figure out which three players uh, I kind of talked to you guys pre-shot as like, if I want to talk about the three best players, like Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, like that would be the three, but I think it'd be more fun to dig into some of the younger guys. So I will put Kyle, Kyle Tucker in this category and for those that don't know, he's only 26 years old, so he's still plenty young. Did you know he's actually older than Jordan Alvarez? I did know that. Which I was kind of shocked because you feel like Jordan Alvarez is older. Um, because of his knees. He just yeah, assumed he's just, old. How do you have that like that bad knees? Like at that age? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kyle Tucker's 25 and uh Jordan's 24. That I, mean, I added one year to there. It's, it's crazy. Uh, and if, I don't know if you guys have had a chance. If you, this is off topic for a second. Have you seen John Crux's story? Like, do you know about John Crux's like career? What about it? Sense. There. So he was on part in my take today, and this guy has some of the craziest stuff happened to him that I've ever heard in my life. It's like thirty minutes of him. I mean, where do you want to start from him getting a ground ball? Uh, or him like having a, taking a ball to the nuts and getting an enlarged testicle and refusing to go to the doctor and just playing through it until his testicle got like huge. And then, <laughs> and then to the point where he went to the, uh, the hospital and he was like, I want to play. He's like, just remove my testicle. Like I, I want to be able to play. And they're like, we're not going to remove your testicle. And he's like, I can't play with it this big, just remove it. And so they finally, like he told them, like convinced them to remove it. And it turns out he had cancer in that testicle. Like, Ooh. The, like, and they were like, uh, so he had to get like chemotherapy, but like he had no idea the ball was just, the ball grew because of when the ball like swelled it up. So he just did that because of the discomfort. I mean, there, there was so many stories, like one, his worst year of his career, he, uh, it was because he was living with a bank robber. And oh. so they apparently thought that he was the one that snitched the bank robber out and uh so he was trying to for a year trying to like find him and kill him so every single night he slept in a different hotel it's and this wild. reminds I'm... me of jordan alvarez because <laughs> <It doesn't... laughs> yeah, no relation i would just if you guys have 30 minutes 
<laughs> go to the part of my take today and listen to his segment. This I was just my jaw dropped at the story. Look at David me. advertising for competitors. Uh, yeah, but it, it's John story. Crook looks like uh, Kenny Powers. Crook is the best though. He's he's so entertaining. He's a good really? he's a good game analyst when he when he's like the color guy on a on a game. Yeah, does yeah. he still do that? Yeah, he's for the Phillies. Yeah. Okay. I miss him on baseball tonight, though. Back to Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> well, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Kyle Tucker. <laughs> who, uh, look, we know his his position in this offense. He usually hits somewhere. I would say he usually settles in pretty much at the sixth lineup spot most games. Uh, you know, they have Altuve. They have Bregman. They have Jordan Alvarez kind of ahead of him in the order. He hits, like, right in that that five, six, seven spot. Um, better for points or Roto Leagues. He's kind of, He's great for both. Uh, but Roto, I mean, we're talking about guys that would steal bases. I mean, this guy stole 25 stolen bases last year. And especially at, with something that we don't see that from too many players at this day and age going into next year, obviously it could be different. But he has definitely helps you in that Roto category, uh, concept. But just even in points league concepts too, a 15.6% K percentage, that will play. 15.9% the year before. He's had back-to-back sub-16% strikeout percentage seasons walking near 10% of the time also barreling the ball at an elite percentage 3% over the average plate appearances per barrel um gives you also elite exit velocity and had 30 homers and 107 RBIs like that is the quietest 30 homers 107 RBIs 25 steals I think I've ever seen and he started off slow too yeah um obviously as we mentioned at the beginning he's 25 years old so there's still uh, potential for him to be in his prime for another four or five seasons, potentially if he keeps it up, maybe even gets a little bit better. Um, he's, he's the type of guy that if, if you're contending and someone's selling you buy, and if you're rebuilding, I'm not even necessarily looking to sell because he could be still a block you want on your rebuilding team. He's still that young. Um, so you would have to only sell him if it was a huge haul, like doc mentioned earlier, I'm not looking to sell someone of that, that age and that type of caliber of player. But um, if you're looking for a pitcher, the first one that came to my mind was like Alec Manoa. Hmm. What do you guys think? Is that kind of the equivalent, like a young rising pitcher? That that's, is like a, that, that's not yeah. like the Shane McClanahan where it's, it's almost like he might be the number one, but he's kind of settled in that back end SP one conversation. I would, I would keep Manoa personally because of how scarce pitching can be. But I would say like a Musgrove. Got Jasper checking in. What's up, Jasper? Uh, See, I'm on the opposite end. I would. I mean, I Tucker's like a top ten dynasty yeah, player. For he's me. a first rounder. And like mm-hmm. pitchers, man, it, everyone's just one like throw away from Tommy John or something yep. like that. Like it, it's a, it's super fragile. So with Tucker, it, I would need Manoa in a, another piece, like a like a pretty big piece. I I, I don't have a problem with going McClanahan for Tucker. I think that's I could see both, you know, working out for both people. Yeah. I mean, he's that type of upside and, and he's obviously shown right now what his floor seems to be with the way he's been playing. So it, he's Kyle Tucker is one of the best dynasty assets out there. How much LC, longer is he on the Astros? Oh, sorry. I was gonna say how no, much no, longer no, is he on the Astros? Do we like what's his He's young. Uh or he I mean he's he let's see, I'll look up his contract really quick while Elsie talks about his first, uh, he has three more years of arbitration, three more years. Okay. Yeah. Then, so he's a a free agent in 2026. So he's going to be on that team for a long time. All right. Uh, Elsie, tell us a little bit about the Los Angeles angels and their first dynasty asset. Well, it's kind of tough to pick dynasty assets for the angels. Their best players are all well into their career and definitely someone like Trout, someone like Otani. Those are well-known well-known commodities. Someone like Rendon is not really that interesting to talk about in this context. So if you look down the roster, there, if you're looking for people with potential to be um, interesting hitters-wise, I should say, on the Angels, I had to sort of like fudge the rules and pick two semi-interesting guys uh, to talk a little bit about in Luis Luis Rangifo and Joe Adele. Now, you might ask, why is Joe Adele at all interesting? His strikeouts were terrible. Um, Well, there's there's some hope there. His, 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 he came back 
uh, and played a lot the last two months, and there was some power. He hit about 220. The strikeouts definitely were too high. The Angels um, have hired a new hitting coach. There was a mm-hmm. lot, a lot of issues with how the former hitting coaches were coaching them and the lack of improvement for the young players with those former hitting coaches. And, you know, they were Madden guys. John Ma- John Malley was the assistant hitting coach. He had been the Cubs hitting coach, I think, on the 2015 and 2016 World Series team. And Jeremy Reed was their other hitting coach. And and just nothing, no good things to say about them. They've, they've gotten rid of them. Uh, and so if I'm looking at someone like Adele in a dynasty context, I don't think his value is going to be much lower. I think he's possible as like a someone I might go look to, to be like a buy right now, like a low-end buy, because the power's there and the possibility of a role is there in in, in Los Angeles. Um, so I think that Adele is a low-end buy for sure, but – I wouldn't be giving up too much for him. You know, I just think he's someone who has the potential to, to see some, some decent power next year and possibly see some, some improvement on that strikeout rate. He was someone who, who never showed at, he didn't really show this terrible strikeout rate as a minor league player coming up. He also was someone who like a lot of other players often took time to uh, accustom himself to a level. So he's, he's someone for me as a, as a rebuilding team, I would I would look to add him as a possible breakout. If I'm a contending team, I, I really have no use for him. See if someone wants him. Um, three-year outlook, it really depends on what he does next year because because he does have that sort of breakout potential. Um, and Or he could just be a bust and never really make the impact that everyone expected. But next year is kind of the... the his, a, a big chance for him. He's, he's been, he's had a really poor first couple, first couple of cups of coffee. Luis Rangifo only 26 on opening day had a wonderful second half of the season. Um, really saw power output 17 home runs on the season had not shown that kind of power. It was hitting at the top of the lineup for most of the last month of the season for them. He's someone I think is really interesting. He's not like a, I don't see him as like a, huge ceiling type of dynasty asset, but I think he's a good floor dynasty asset. I think he's got a pretty decent shot for playing time and Phil Nevin, their manager liked to hit him in the one spot. He's not your classic number one hitter. He doesn't have a great OBP, but he is a really good bat to ball contact hitter. And he didn't really experience like any sort of fluky, fluky luck last season with, with his hitting production he was projected to be a pretty decent uh, batting average hitter, um, and he hit 260. Um, he didn't have like a huge, super high BABIP. One thing I noticed, which which may have explained his increase in power, is that he was he was uh, swinging at m- more pitches in the zone last year, and that might have been something that caused his increase in power. If I'm contending, I I think he could be a good buy because he has a lot of eligibility. He has outfield middle infield and second base and third base uh, eligibility in some leagues and definitely at least corner and middle in, 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 in your higher eligibility leagues. Um, and I think he's going to be, um, I think he's going to be uh, find himself a role on next year's team right now. I'm uncertain where it's going to be. Uh, it's probably going to be either second base or shortstop Um We'll see, or just more like like a utility who plays five out of seven days for next year. But like I said, he, I think he has a pretty good floor and uh, is a pretty good hitter, just like not a great fielder, just that type of a profile. Um, and as far as like young hitters, that that that's what I saw from the Angels roster as like pretty decent fantasy assets. Yeah, and they need pitching there. Obviously, right now their hitting is like with Larissa and Defoe have been somewhat that seems like there's more assets there. A couple of angels questions though. Uh, down the farm. Our guy says chase Seth, Seth who uh, did get a taste for the angels this season. Strikeout rate was, you talked about the strikeout rate being what it was in the minors for Rendifo. And it wasn't that way for chase Seth either as he had an 11.93 K per nine in double a in 2022 mm-hmm. and under eight in the big leagues. 
uh, but he does have some prospect pedigree, has pitched really well so far in the minor leagues, and he's a name, I think, to keep an eye on from the pitching side. I don't think you had um, Chase Silseth as one of your guys, if I'm not mistaken, Elsie, right? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't focus on him. Um, I kind of looked at uh, who, guys who I was pretty sure were going to be in the rotation as the pitchers that I focused like this, on. Like this next guy that uh, that Joe touched on. Joe, Joe is jumping. He's ready. Yeah. Joe's ready for the. Yeah, he's, ready, he's ready. He's ready for the Detmers talk. There's, there's, a, there's the, the the Angels have a lot of young pitchers that there are going to be in the rotation next year. I don't know how many of them are going to be great or even very good, but they're, they're going to be rolling out and giving a lot of young pitchers a chance to really build their, uh, build their skills. Yeah. Reed's only 23 young gun, man. He is. We're going to save the Oakland A's for last because to be honest with you, I, unless you're the, the five Oakland A's fans, we know then, even though I'm like general manager and the president of the A's saves them for last, they don't care about them. That, that's right. Oh, exactly. That's exactly. a good burn. There, there we go. Doc, let's go back to you. Let's talk about the next Mariners player that you think should be somebody you should look at as a huge asset for your fantasy teams. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Logan Gilbert. Uh, 2022 stats, 13-6, and 3-2 ERA, 1.18 whip, and 174 Ks in 185.1 innings. He's 25 years old. This is his first year arbitration. Um, really going to be able to hit free agency uh, when he's 28 in three years. But – I actually think from a dynasty perspective, you either hold or you sell them high. And I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I'll tell you why I'm going with that. You look at his K percentage throughout the years. In 2019, single A ball, 43.4. Then went to single A plus 30. Double A, 28.7. Triple A, 27.8. 2021 MLB, 25.4. 2022, 22.7. So his K rate has gone down each year. And he's this is a guy that's only thrown 300 innings for his career. 185 were last season. And we really saw his ERA rise up in the second half. It was 276 in the first half, 386 in the second half. His expected ERA was 411. I think what we know with Logan Gilbert is he he's a guy that has flashy stuff. I think of him as a glorified Jose Barrios. But I think of where he's going to be in your rotation. He's going to be a low back-end SP2, or a high-end SP3. So if you're looking to to capitalize on his value, I think this is the highest it will be. I would look at some some pieces. I actually had Reed Detmers written down. If you could get like Reed Detmers and Jeremy Pena, or if you could get someone like a Framber Valdez and another player, I think Logan Gilbert's value right now is that high where you could get a two-for-one deal. What do you guys think? Interesting. Elsie on mute. Yeah, he. I think he has good value. Um, I think. I think he has good value right now. And if definitely, I think Framber would be a tough get for Gilbert. I think Framber's pretty young as well. Um, yeah. Um, and but um, man, twenty eight. It's twenty eight. Yeah, it's tough for me to to want to give up on Gilbert after after. Yeah, because he's still he's still pretty young. I wouldn't. He was. He was the 32nd ranked starting pitcher on the Rasball Player Raider. So once again, it falls into, you know, if you're in a 12-15 team league, he's at the back end of, you know, SP2, high end SP, SP3. I'm happy to be wrong. It's just kind of what I've seen with some of the metrics that look like. And if he does have a bad year, I don't think he has the track record where you say, okay, well, we know he's going to get back on track. Yeah, I agree. And I want to shout out Jasper real quick. Checked out the recent episode of the call-up AFL standouts, uh, which you have. And if you're a big prospect head, go check that out every single week. Michael Richards and I do that. And uh, it was 12 of the best hitting prospects in the AFL. Appreciate you, Jasper. Um, yeah, Logan Gilbert's an interesting player. I know Michael Simeone loved him. That was one of his guys going into the year. And he pretty much for the most part delivered in his first full season in the big leagues. I, I don't think you could expect much more from somebody in their first full year. So there's a, he's definitely got his arrow pointed up. Does your next dynasty player for the Texas Rangers have that same type of trajectory, Marty Tolman? For most, they would say yes. For me, no, I'm going, I'm going to talk about Josh Young, the young third baseman, no pun intended there. Uh, he's 24 years, right, uh, years old right now. He'll be 25 when the year starts. Um, as we know, he's the Rangers' number one hitting prospect, and he's been touted for years. 
Now, the big thing that's held him back has been injury. In 2021, he missed time because of a stress fracture in his left foot. Last year, he's tore the labrum in his left shoulder while he's lifting weights. So as of right now, for me, he has the injury-prone tag. Obviously, that can go away, but, I mean, you can't um, – you know, you can't deny that. And then he, so he finally got brought up in September and he struggled, man, outside of the five home runs. I mean, he slashed 204, 235, 418. He struck out 38% of the time. And when I look back to go um, like the MLB pipeline and all of the, you know, the, the prospect websites and everyone that's been tracking them, they're saying, you know, best case scenario, he's going to be a, a 300 hitter with 25 home runs. And I, I just, I don't know if it's because I got Spencer Torkels into my head and seeing all these young kids come up and just with these huge expectations and then just fall flat on their face. You know, um, I, I just don't see that right right now. Uh, you, you hop over the roster resource for 2023 and his outlook. He, they have him hitting sixth in the lineup. He, he could probably move up to fifth if he starts to do well. He'll, he'll be the starting third baseman for the Rangers moving forward. There's no doubt about that. Um, when you look at like, is he better for like a Roto or a points league for Dynasty? I'm looking at Roto. I mean, he did steal two bases and he, he had a little bit of pop in that. But if you're like in a, um, a points league, you know, with that 38% um, strikeout rate, that especially if it's negative points, you know, going towards that, that that's scaring me. So I would stay away there. Um, when we look to like buy or sell, if I'm contending, I'm selling him. I'm going to sell him right away. I'm going to sell him to one of these prospect guys. Because when you go to anyone's ranking, he's still very high up. I hopped over to the Welsh's rankings to see kind of where he still has him um, in his top 400 dynasty ranks. I mean, he has Josh Young in front of um, – I mean, he's basically right next to Marcus Simeon, um, looking at just like other third basements or other players just in that in that realm. I mean, he's next to Miguel Vargas, who everyone's still pretty high on. Um, so I think the prospect world still, they, they still love him. So I think if you sold him right now, you'd be able to get a lot out of it. Uh, if you're rebuilding, I would, if you're completely rebuilding and you think your team's not going to be good for two, three years, I would hold them. You know, I, he, I mean, these scouts for the most part, they know what they're doing. I mean, if he's projected to be a 300 hitter with 25 home runs in a few years, that's good enough to, to wait around, you know, and see if he can, um, if he can do that unless, you're rebuilding and he comes out of the gate super hot in 2023, just always test the market. And this goes for me for dynasty, just in general, I'm always looking to make a trade. You know, there, there's no harm in just throwing out Josh Young and seeing what you could possibly get for him. I mean, I've seen in the past, I've seen, you know, him go for like Max Scherzer. People have tried to go Josh Young for Max Scherzer in a dynasty league, which, mm -hmm. you know, sounds kind of crazy, but if you're rebuilding, it's not that crazy at all. A more conservative approach. If you're looking to, to possibly trade him, maybe a Jesus Lazardo, maybe a Pablo Lopez, you know, moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think his, his ceiling is like a, a back end, like a, like a eighth, ninth, 10th ranked third baseman, maybe three years from now. So um, overall, I'm just, until I see it, and this goes for me for Dynasty across the board, until I see it, I'm I'm more willing to sell him than hold on. That's fair, for sure. And you also have another player that down the farm Ooh, says, Fosk. Justin Fosk uh, of the Texas Rangers. He's a power-hitting second baseman in their system in AA this past season. And if you, know, if you have someone like him on your team, maybe Josh Young's expendable. Because, uh, I mean, the, the potential upside with Justin Fosk, who, depending on where you look right now, they have Josh Young as mostly the consensus overall prospect between him and Jack lighter, but mm -hmm. uh, he has got tons of great bat speed and strength and uh, good hands obviously as well. So I'm kind of, he's kind of an intriguing piece. I mean, it's interesting that he brought him up because I think I would, I could see valuing him uh, more than Josh young here. So I don't necessarily disagree with that. And then Montgomery from the white Sox. I'm trying to, which Montgomery. He's talking about um, um, the uh, the hitting prospect for the White Sox. Oh, oh my Colson God. Montgomery. Uh, Colson Montgomery. He's the third baseman shortstop. Is that who it is? That's first name. Yeah, Colson Montgomery. Thank you. I, I knew mm -hmm. it was him. He was the. I couldn't remember the name of the pro. Yeah, Colson. Colson Montgomery is uh, one of the big dynasty assets for them. That way, I guess we could. Well, when we get to the White Sox, we might have to go down that road and, and dig into him a little bit more. Um, the Houston Astros, the next player I want to talk about here, though, is Jeremy Pena, who I don't know if necessarily he would have been on this list before the playoffs. But for those that were not aware, 
what he was doing in the playoffs so far. I mean, 33 at-bats, three home runs, five RBIs, batting 303, 324, has a 991 OPS, uh, and he won the ALCS MVP. Uh, this is a guy, La Tormenta is his nickname. That's so, awesome. I mean, he's he's looking like he's that next kind of like, he's not Jazz Chisholm, right? He's not like that toolsy of a player per se, but 22 homers, 63 RBIs, and 11 stolen bases, a 253 batting average in his first season, 72 runs. He looks like the next young Houston Astros hitter that's going to be a force in this lineup. Uh, and I get there's still a lot of holes in his game. It's the guy that had uh, a 30, he's in the, the bottom 30th percentile in K rate last year with a 24.2% K rate, still very manageable. Uh, the walk rate definitely needing to improve 3.9%, but he still hit the ball, uh, you know, 88 miles an hour, which is around the average exit velocity. Sprint speed at 95 percentile. And uh, barrel percentage, top 65%. There's some tools there from him that I really like. And I think he's got that swagger now, too, playing shortstop for the Houston Astros. We saw Carlos Correa hold that down for a while. And uh, he looks like he's that next piece for them at that position. Um, in terms of for better for points or roto, he's definitely more of a roto player with that horrible walk rate we talked about and the K rate being around 25%. The stolen bases definitely will play more for a roto league. If I am contending, I am definitely. If I'm contending and I have a stacked roster, he's not somebody I don't know if I would play. I don't want to say I would sell him, though. I just can't see if I'm seriously contending that he's a fixture in my lineup. But if I'm rebuilding, he's somebody that I'm trying to buy. I think like in a 15 team league, right? If you can get him as a middle infielder, I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's super serviceable, but like in a 10, 12 team dynasty. Yeah. I think you could probably ship him. You know, I think it's going to be, this is probably going to be the, I mean, he has that like Randy Rosarina swag right now where everyone's he just does. buying in because of the playoffs. Yeah. You know? yeah he, he has that extra and it's going to probably dry up his ADP. I put out a question on Twitter. I said, where is he settle in between 51 and a hundred, 101 to one fifty. 151 to 200 or after 200 and the 101 to 150 was the consensus answer. So right mm-hmm. now they think he's going to go right after pick a hundred in the, in that range and that could go up too. He's currently 135 right now coming off the board. Yeah. So I think that could only go up, especially if he has a good world series. Uh, yeah, that'll, that will definitely won't stay that way for sure. Um, if you're looking for a pitcher for him, he's a very hard one to judge because he's kind of come out of, no, not going to say come out of nowhere, but he's really made a name for himself in the playoffs. So the one that came to my mind first is like Kyle Wright. Is Kyle Wright wow. someone that kind of came out of nowhere and now looks like he's still a young piece? And, you know, is it something he can repeat? Would you guys rather have Kyle Wright or would you rather have Jeremy Pena? I'd rather have Pena. I, I'd rather have Wright. I'd rather have Wright. Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. That's a good I got one, a split. Yeah. Uh, look at that. Look at that. Uh, if you're in the YouTube comments, let us know. Would you rather have Jeremy Pena or Kyle Wright in a dynasty league? I'm interested now to see if uh, what our the audience might like rather between those two. Elsie, now your next Angels player. Is it the one that your brother Joe Tornabene mentioned, or are you going? I, a I can go. I can go that way. I'll go with Detmers next. Yeah. Please, please, our audience. Please, please, yeah. Go here. Yeah, Detmers. I was definitely going to talk about him. Uh, so I'll go Detmers next. Twenty-three years old on opening day. Detmers had some great runs this season. Uh, he had a no hitter. I think he had the first no hitter and was the only no hitter of the season for most of the season. Then there was mm-hmm. who who got the next? I can't remember. My my brain doesn't work. There was a team uh, no hitter. <clears throat> yeah. I think there was a second pitcher to throw. Dylan Cease had one out left. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Detmers threw no hitter uh, and then, you know, promptly fell apart for a while. Uh, Then he came back. His July and August were very good this season. Um, I think Detmers shows a decent potential to be a serviceable three or four starter in the future. Uh, I think he has a pretty good future value, but what you're looking at, <clears throat> when you look at him, he's like he's mostly white and light blue in his stat cast. He's not doing anything exceptionally. But when you look at his best parts of the season, he's doing a lot of things exceptionally. He's striking out more people. 
um, than he than when he's pitching poorly. So the the question is is which Reed Detmers are you going to get? And I think <clears throat> that's what next season is going to find out. I don't I don't sense that Detmers is particularly well regarded at this current moment. I think the little bit of the shine is off of him after last coming into last season. A lot of people saw him as kind of like a potential breakout and that didn't quite come true. So I think he's kind of down. I think he could be someone again, another piece that you might be able to pry away as like a, as like a, a, a young pitcher pickup uh, people might have soured on him because on the whole, his season uh, March, May, June, and then the end in September and October were not very good. July and August. Very good. If you look at July and August, Baltimore, Houston, Atlanta, Texas, Seattle, Minnesota, Detroit, and Toronto. The only bad start was Detroit. And that's so weird. So uh, because Detroit was was one of the worst teams in baseball. Then you go into then after that great run of eight starts where seven of eight were very good and he was striking out at least one per inning and his whip was down. Then he goes three out of five, his next five kind of stink. Um, <clears throat> so I think with him, his, he has a little, a, a little bit of a walk problem, which he, he, uh, he didn't really show when he was in the minor leagues. Hopefully he can bring it back down. Um, he does have some, he does have a little bit of K upside that he showed in his best parts of the season, but other, most of the time, most of the season was not like a great K per nine type of player. I think he's the type of player who you he he has some upside to be like a back end rotation spot on your fantasy roster in your deeper leagues and I think if you're in a deep dynasty league he's a pretty good buy because he's shown that he can put together really good stretches of his season now who I would be trying to trade for him um boy that's a tough one um I'd gauge I gauge my own roster and and I'd I'd be looking for um I I think if I was going for a hitter um young and uh, it's a real tough thing. I'm not a great trader. It's, that's okay. I I will say because you talked earlier about no hitters this season that yeah. he was the only one to throw actual no hitter the other two like this year. Own. Yeah, the other yeah. two this year were the Houston team that did a combined one and the Mets one that did a combined one no one so um he is a very hard business you saw kind of like the Jekyll and Hyde part of Reed Detmers this year you saw Mm -hmm. the one that looked like he couldn't miss bats and was completely unusable to the point where he got sent down to triple a then he comes up and he's striking out like 10 plus per nine looks like a Mm -hmm. completely complete league winner and then he kind of settles back into (laughs) something a little bit more what we saw earlier in the season he's hard a guy to evaluate at this point yeah, and 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 that's that's a young player, you know. As they say, prospect growth isn't linear. But are you? I wouldn't be buying him if I was a contending team for no. sure, because you don't know what you're going to get from him. I think. I think he's a good rebuilding team get, um, and and because there's there's growth potential. I don't think he's an ace at any point in his career. But there's what about Juan Yepes suggestion from Jasper. Man, it's hard. So hard to tell with the way the Cardinals play their play their young guys. They have so many young guys that they bring up and they cycle through. Yepes was not playing towards the end of the season mm-hmm. at certain points of the season. So, I I take Detmers over Yepes um, for sure. Yeah, it, just off the top of my head, without doing any extra research. Yeah, I think I'm with you there, LC. Let's go now. Let's talk about the last players of these four teams before we go to the Oakland Athletics here as we're crossing to closer to the 45-minute mark here. This will be a little bit more of a lightning round. So, Doc, give us your last Mariners player. Yeah, so for me, George Kirby. Uh, we saw it during the playoffs. I think one of the best young arms in baseball. 8-5, and five, a 3.39 ERA, 1.21 whip, 133 Ks and 130 innings pitched. Um, he's 24 years old. I think you're holding him. If you can, you buy him. And you're to be honest, your opportunity to buy him probably is too late. You had a chance in the summer when he had a little bit of struggles. But, I mean, this guy throws five, sometimes six different pitches. 
only had 22 walks in those 130 innings. Um, his expected ERA and expected stats are very close to his normal stats. Good road home splits. Seattle's going to give him plenty of run support, hopefully, for years. So if you can find someone that maybe doesn't value George Kirby as high, maybe put a couple feelers out. But if you have him on your dynasty team, you feel pretty good moving forward. Yeah, George Kirby, they say he's like baby. Um, oh, my God. Uh, what did I just his name just pop out of my head? Uh, Shane Bieber. He's like baby Shane Bieber because his control is what they were comparing Shane Bieber's when he was coming up through the guardian system does not walk like anybody. And uh, if he can continue with the strikeout stuff that he showed, but uh, flashes of it's a, uh, it's definitely very interesting. And he is uh, talking about yeah, for LC's trade and talking sports with Murph. I, I, this, uh, this is a, uh, I think this is Andrew uh, we were talking a little bit in the DMS earlier. Kirby is a keeper, solid for me in fantasy this po- this past season. I, if you have Kirby in a dynasty league, like Doc said, you can't trade him at this point unless someone's really giving you uh, a big haul because the upside for him, for this team in general, is huge. So George Kirby really flashed brilliance this year, especially towards the end of the season, and even pitched well. And remember in his one outing in the postseason, uh, I think it was like six scoreless innings against the Astros in that 18-inning or whatever it was game. So, I mean, he's he on a big stage, just completely just balled out. So, George Kirby, definitely a solid asset right now for sure. And uh, Al Jaspers, I hope to see him in my offseason draft for sure. For sure. Kirby was on his uh, 17 and three team. I don't think I've ever had a team go 17 and three. Have you guys? Crazy. That's one year when I had the Miguel Cabrera uh, triple crown year and like uh, Adam Wainwright was great. I got him late. Yeah, that was. You were 17 and three that year? Not seventeen three, better than that. It was crazy. It was one of Kirby those years. It'll never happen again. Next year's Dylan Cease. Whoa, DTF. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> you called I him that. <laughs> I had to bring it back, man. I loved it. Oh, you Whoa. said DTF, and now we've got the. Hey, there we, we go. The, we hey. got the, the porn pots. Don't show the porn pots. <laughs> Block them. Block them. Is that actually because I said DTF? I don't no, know. That that was before. I wasn't sure if you uh, said that because the, the bot just popped up on no, our comments. That's funny. We should have played more if they said it after you said it. Marty, who is your uh, last player you want to talk about for the Rangers? Yeah, I'll do this quickly. So Adolis Garcia, he's a, he's a complex guy. Any Anyone who's 28, 29 years old having a crazy breakout is somebody I try to stay away from him. But he's it's a very, it's very simple for Dynasty. If you are contending this year or next year, you got to hold him. Last year, he had 27 home runs. He stole you 25 bases. He he's he even hit 250, so he didn't you know um, sink you there. But his profile is still horrendous. His uh, he strikes out all the time. He never walks. He chases everything. Um, he's about to be 30. He relies only on athleticism. So you know if you're rebuilding, uh, sell him right now. If you are contending this year, you're going to hold on to him. Agreed, 100 with that. My last player, we just we've talked about him to death at this point. Uh, so if you've listened to the last. And he was definitely last episode. We talked about him a lot. It might've been one other one too. Hunter Brown. He's the guy that I plan to get the most of next season in all my drafts. I think he's going to be like the, not he's not the same pitcher as Christian Javier, but he's the type of guy that's not going to have a guaranteed rotation spot. And he's going to fall in drafts for that reason. And then there's going to be injuries to the Astros rotation. And then he's going to be able to slide in and he's going to be able to produce overperforming, outperforming where his ADP goes. So I'm going to have so much Hunter Brown next year. Three games in the postseason, scoreless, 3.2 innings. Um, the whip is a little bit high at 1.36. But I, I, we talked about it before. I love this kid's stuff. Throws a uh, pretty, I think his fastball gets around like 97 or so. So his fastball velocity is solid. Uh, average over K per nine in the regular season. If you want to hear more about our Hunter Brown love, you can listen to the last week's episode because we went in plenty of depth with that. <laughs> and uh DTF says Brown is next year's Kirby. Yes. That I can I can get on board with that. I can that's a that's I like that comparison. Garcia was solid, average was slow to start a bit, but he caught up by the end. It's one of those I forgot who says it, but one of the people was like, look at their end of season stats and like that's the type of player they were at the end of the day. Like they're they're gonna ebb and flow, but some of these guys just get to those numbers no matter what at the end of the season. And he seems like he's that guy now because he's done it for consecutive seasons. And uh, not sure how Breaking Detroit... Breaking my heart. Breaking my Wait, heart on this one. Did Is Hunter Brown from Detroit? 
think he's from. Let me. I can look it up real quick. But yeah, I mean, we we pass on him as you know. That's Murph. You're um. He's literally from Detroit. Yeah. You know that uh, Marty's a huge Detroit Tigers fan, so there's a lot of Detroit misery on this show just from the <laughs> entire season. <laughs> you just added to it. <laughs> uh, last uh, player for the Angels for you, Elsie. Yeah, I want to bring up Patrick Sandoval, 26 years old on opening day. He's kind of a darling of uh, a lot of fantasy analysts. Uh, they're 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 targeting him for their staffs. I I I think when you're looking at Sandoval, I think you have to temper your expectations for his future outlook. He's a man who has a walk problem. He has a whip problem. Otherwise, he's 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 been he was a really effective pitcher. One thing I will give a note of caution, he had some really he really benefited a lot. He had a definite bump in his home run suppression in 2022 that was unlike any other portion of his major or minor league career. Uh his FIP and XFIP and XERA was, you know, almost a full run higher than his 2.91 ERA. Um so I think when you're when you're looking at Sandoval, uh, my my thought is that you temper your long term ex- expectations on him. If you're on a contending team, he's a he's a he's a rotation starter with good strikeout rate. I think he's very good in a points league because of his decent, pretty decent strikeout rate. Um, but in a roto league, you you do have to be conscious of that whip and the fact that you know if the home runs go back to what they had been. Mm-hmm. his ERA is going to be jumping right back up because his walks are not that good. Um, but, you know, he finally put together a full season, pitched nearly 150 innings, averaged over a strikeout per inning. Um, if he gets a few more, if he bumps up from his 27 to 30 starts, he'll volume his way into a really solid season. I think he's a good trade candidate for if you're trying to rebuild, I think he's going to be at a pretty high value right now. Um, and, uh, but if you're contending, you got to hold him because he's going to be pretty valuable. I agree. And that we talked about how nasty that changeup is. And that's why so many of the analysts like him just definitely that whip needs to definitely go down this season. Cause I think that was a huge thing with him. He just gave up a ton of base runners, throw a ton of pitches and, he was outings would be cut short there. Murph is a Red Sox fan. He had 86 years of Red Sox misery before they won it. How old won. are you? Are you 105? <laughs> you 86 years. Jeez. And Jasper's calling White Sox time in 23. If they well, hire, I mean, is going to be done. So. If they hire Ozzy Guillen as manager, I will say that. I've, I'm what all do you mean for Ozzy. I'm an Ozzy Guillen come comeback. Oh, no, he's done managing. Not there done. There we maybe. go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's do the A's real quick. Cause I have a question for you guys. It's kind of off topic, but also relevant. So the Oakland athletics, Elsie, we just left off with you. So doc, let's go back to you and talk about one of the three. There's not very many great dynasty assets right now for the Oakland athletics who just trade away all their good talent. Give us one. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Sean Murphy. And especially if you play in a two catcher league, somebody that you should definitely definitely be targeting. I think because they play for the Oakland Athletics, even if they put up good stats, we're not going to hear about it as much. 28 years old, you know, last year, 23% K rate, has about a 10% walk rate for his career. It was as high as 17% in 2019, which is really good for a catcher. But this is a guy that can hit the ball hard. Last year, max exit velocity was in the 94th percentile. Actually had a 250 batting average, which was above league average at 243. So, the thing about the A's, nobody is really safe on that team. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him. So his value goes up. I'd say he's probably in the catcher 10 to 12 range. So in a single catcher league, maybe a late round target, but definitely a guy that you can get in a two catcher league that'll provide some value. Yeah, I agree. Doc, did you know Javon Carter is the starting point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks right now? Yeah, I did. I actually watched the game today. That's wild. It is very wild. Um, Downfront says Jordan Diaz. So Ken Waldachuk would have been my pick for this one, but we talked about him last week extensively. So I didn't want to repeat like I just did Hunter Brown. So I tried to go a different direction. And I wanted to talk about Shea Langoliers, who uh, last season 
was able to get a kind of a taste of the big leagues, but this is a guy that at this point, I don't think he's going to be changing much, much. I think he's pretty much going to be a high power, high strikeout guy in the big leagues last season. He had a strikeout rate of 34.6%. And I would feel better if his minor league track record was a little bit better in that department, but in triple a in 2021, a 42.9% K rate, he did have a 21.9% K rate, uh, in the first part of 2022 in AAA with a 92 games, but pretty much from everything I've read and just heard, listen to people talk about, he's going to be one of those guys that has a high strikeout, but does deliver you a lot of power. He had between AAA and the majors this year, 25 home runs in just over 550 plate appearances. That's a pretty good amount for a catcher. Uh, 22 home runs in a full season in AAA or in double A, excuse me, in, in 2021 which he had 370 plate appearances. I just think he's going to be one of those guys that you're like, Hey, I need power from that position. Like a, a Mike, you, I, this is exactly where I was going <laughs> with it. And I just look and I, and I see that uh, DTF puts in the comments. He's Mike Zunino, <laughs> Mike Zunino. Yeah. Or uh, what about this year? Um, For the Seattle Mariners. I, I don't know why his name's escaping me. The big Cal rally. Cal rally. Thank you. Yeah. Like that, that type of player. So that, that's kind of what I think you'll expect from him at the big league level. And I don't think you'll be getting anything worth the value if you try to sell him. So if you have him, you just hold at this point. Mm-hmm. Deep stash, he says, Jeff Criswell, right-handed pitcher for the Oakland in their organization. We should have to talk about some of these guys more on the call-up because I know we don't we don't dig as much in the minor leagues on this on the TPF podcast, but uh, there are some good names being thrown around in here that we got to make sure the audience knows and, and DTS bringing them to here. So that's awesome. Elsie, give us one more guy and then we're going to start wrapping the show up here. I'll just say really quick on Shea yes. that what's going to, he's going to be able to accumulate stats because he is defensively an outstanding catcher. I mean, that's what they're going to, he's going to mm. be in there almost every single day. And he does have that opposite field power. So you combine those two, he's already going to be able to work with even the most advanced pitcher. He's going to be able to fit right in there. Um, so when he, when they shed, who's their catcher? It's Murphy right now. Murphy, right? Yeah. 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 Once the A's do the A's and they get rid of, you know, they're good players. He's going to be playing, you know, yeah. 130, 140 games, uh, a lot more than most catchers do. LDH a lot too. Like we were like, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, Sal Perez does where he just plays every day and just DHs catches all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so my, the player on the A's who I wanted to spotlight was JP Sears, the pitcher they got back from the Yankees. Uh, one of the pitchers players they got in the Frankie Montes deal. Um, I think Sears, um, you know, Sears is someone who came in and pitched fairly well for the A's to close out the season. September was really rocky. Had had three of four poor starts in September. But August and his one October start were, were all pretty good. And like I said, one of his September starts were pretty good. He, he One thing that was really interesting about Sears is in the minors, he was an 11K per nine guy. He was a guy with a 30% strikeout percentage. He gets to the majors in 2022 and his strikeout percentage drops down to like 17, 18%. But uh, you know, his, his, his ERA and expected ERA um, weren't that great. His K percentage wasn't that great, but I do think, you know, he, he outpitched that, the, 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 the performance he's, he's going to be 27 on opening day. Uh, I, it's a good park to pitch in. I think he's a, He's a decent late stash in like a redraft like league because I think he's going to get a stop in the rotation. As far as his long-term value, um, the A's seem to get a lot of production out of their pitching. I think Sears is someone who is a, a, a rotation filler on like a 50-round draft and hold type of team. And in a dynasty, he's – He's not really a contending team type player, but there's potential there for him to be better. That if the K's that he was showing in the minor league start to show up in the majors, he's gonna be he's gonna be very good. Very, very good. And uh Sears has the same potential, picked him up for some spot stars every so often, was decent. I think a full season in the big leagues could help him out a bit. He's gonna get the opportunity, that's for sure. The A's need pitching. Um, but we're, as we're getting ready to close up, that was a lot of players in the hour. So I think we did a pretty good job of being able to talk about as many as we could. The last thing I want to leave you guys with 
So I know this is starting to become a big thing in the NBA because there is a player coming in, for those that don't know, named Victor Wambanyama, who they who Adrian Wojnarowski said is going is the best prospect he's ever I think I don't want to misquote him. He said the best great the greatest prospect in NBA draft history was his exact quote. Relax. He's seven foot two, like two hundred and twenty-five pounds. He can shoot the three, put the ball on the floor. Uh he looks like he's gonna change the game the way he plays. And Marty Marty just gives me the weirdest. It's LeBron look. James is the best draft pick of coming into okay, go ahead. Sorry. So there's worry that teams are tanking and mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out a way to prevent that. And I'm asking you guys and in baseball, we had Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper back to back. I can't think of a player since then that's had that type of hype where teams are literally clamoring to grab him. Um, unless I'm forgetting somebody, if this type of player were to go into the draft pool for major league baseball, what would you do to encourage teams to not tank? What is the solution that you could adopt to potentially all sports, but we'll stick it to baseball for now since it's a baseball podcast. What would be the way you would do it so the teams would not tank to be able to try to get a chance at this guy? Um, the first thing that pops in my head is just a standard lottery like they try to mm-hmm. do, which doesn't work mm-hmm. that well in the NBA, but you know, for for baseball, you know, I think and because baseball is crazy where the first overall pick may be a bust, it's it it happens more than it doesn't actually which is kind of why maybe not a bust, but you know, they're not going to be like the best player in all of baseball. So I would, th- that's my, that's my answer. I was going to say, they also don't like appear in the major leagues right away. There's a process. It takes forever. Yeah. Yeah. But if there's a, a player that's this kind of hyped, you know, that that's going to be uh that's going to be a problem. And uh DTS says that is Dylan crew and Max Clark this year. Okay. Put so that, again, that, that brings it to, to what do you do as a commissioner to make sure that this type of stuff doesn't happen when these kind of prospects enter the draft pool. Doc, what would you do? Yeah, I mean, I think a lottery is the only best way to do it. I mean, you know, for the Nationals, it didn't even work until the year where they expected to not win after Bryce Harper was gone. So even with all that tanking, it's not like they were ever a dynasty. The thing about baseball is it's so hard to do what the Astros do, where they're just consistently good. And notice I'm not saying the Dodgers because the, they buy their players, but that's what the discrepancy in salary cap. Like these are essentially how these teams have to be good if they're not willing to spend. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, so I just want to go off of Murph's point here because this is kind of what I was thinking. Ping pong ball styles like NBA, but for teams, not just all teams, not just lottery picks. I was saying that you should have the exact same percentage odds for every team that didn't make the playoffs. So if you didn't that make the if you didn't make like the playoffs, a, yeah. then everybody gets the same percentage. So that way, if you're the worst team or you're a team that was barely un, under 500, your chances are equal. So, like, that, I don't know. That's crazy. Would, would, would you just lottery, like, the first three picks and then go in order of record like the yeah. NBA does? Something yeah, like I that? Think, like, everybody gets an equal chance at the first three picks, and then after that you go percentage by chance. Like, there needs to be something like that in place to where it discourages teams from racing to the bottom. Um, Because we've seen in the NBA, yes, if you have the best odds, it doesn't always translate to the number one pick, but you end up, I can't remember the last time I saw, I mean, I know it was the, you can't get worse than four. Yeah. Like I, I can't remember the last time I saw any of them not get like a top two or three, which is still like, I don't know. I don't, I think you're still rewarding teams that aren't trying at that point. Yeah. I mean, not making the playoffs, you could technically in that in that scenario, you can finish with like 85, 86 wins and then get the number one pick mm-hmm. in the next draft, mm-hmm. which would be crazy and awesome for that team's fan base. And and you know, I think that would be a really interesting wrinkle to throw in because I mean you look at teams like like Oakland this year, they they won 60 games, they were 46 games back at Houston. They certainly weren't trying by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of an effect it'll have on on teams who are trying to play young players, but definitely going to discourage "quote unquote" tanking. You know? Yeah, I mean, if there's the teams that just trade away all their assets just because they want the better draft picks, and, and that's universal. 
and we've seen it having the NFL, obviously in the NBA and, and baseball. And you need to figure out a way that that's a no matter if you want to lose games, fine, but it's not going to change your percentage chance of of landing the number one pick. I think in baseball it matters less than it does in football and basketball. But well, even it, in basketball, the Magic have twelve first round picks on their team right now, and the Pistons have ten. And mm-hmm. where are they? And Oklahoma City has like twenty in the works. Uh, but, well, they were saying that pretty much that's why they Sam Presti saved up all these picks was for this draft. So if they don't get the number one, they'll just throw as many picks as they need to to get that number one. That's interesting, Murph. Another thing that they could do is uh, no team can get have back to. I so I was gonna I was thinking of earlier that you can't get the number one pick two straight years, but that might be even a, a another step up. You can't get a top three pick in back to back drafts. That's a good point. And then uh, DTS says, but baseball draft classes are very different because teams at all uh, at the top draft due to money pool. Yeah, I remember that specifically with the uh, the Twins when they were looking at Hunter Green, and they took Royce Lewis because Hunter Green wanted too much money. And that's obviously just one example because the Orioles classic. They always do that. Yeah, like it's it's crazy that that's what comes down to it. But it's true. Like they take the the player that doesn't consider it as good because they don't want to pay as much. It's a very interesting wrinkle that is with baseball. It's not with the other sports. It's one of the many things that makes baseball stupid. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And we love it anyway. We do. We do. But I'm just, you know, being real here. I mean, does anyone pump for the MLB draft outside of the, the, the dorks, you know, me, one of those people, but you know, they just finally started having it on ESPN up until last year. It was never even on primetime. They need to make it a bigger deal. They need to have the guys come up with suits, like fancy yeah, suits. Yeah, fun. Yeah. For sure. They need, they need us to come and infuse some fun. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, like, we'll call it. Like, we'll do something. We'll make it fun. Triple play. Uh, triple play fantasy at Gmail. Triple play fantasy gmail.com or contact <laughs> any of our socials, MLB. We got them all we're, on here. We're ready. You know, come see you, us in Arizona. We know you get a hold of Marty. He'll let everyone else know or, or right. any of us, you know, anybody. <laughs> MLB, we're here for you. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, that wraps us up here for another week. Um, continue our dynasty series next week with another team here. And for everybody that's within the comments, uh, hopefully you guys come back next week. We can, uh, it's 2023 draft spectacular. Yes. There we go. Yes. I think we have to do something like that. Maybe we will, we'll all fly to where the draft is and just set up our, our broadcasting. We'll just do it there regardless if they want us there. or not. <laughs> I, let's just do that. Um, but yeah, we're back with another dynasty episode next week where again, we're here every Wednesday evening, somewhere in between nine and nine 30. The time changes in that range every week. So, uh, just set your notification bells on and we'll, it'll notify you when we do go live sometime, uh, between nine and nine 30 on Wednesday nights. And thank you all for, for tuning in. It, it, we're going to make sure DTS there with us for sure. Thanks. Yeah. You got to come in and hang out with us there. Uh, but for Marty party for doc, for a little cheesecake, I'm D Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week.